Once again, Afghanistan is on the news almost 24-7 and that's usually not a good sign. The so-called forever war that had become the forgotten war is now in all our living rooms. Dark clouds are gathering over Afghanistan. People are terrified. Children are scared. Girls and women are awaiting their fate in agony and desperation. So what happened? And could all of this chaos, mayhem, pain and suffering been avoided? This is my story and the story of my native country. Salam. Welcome to the 12th episode of Jade Maiwand. I'm your host, Maiwand Nazari. You may already have noticed uh, I'm doing this episode in English and there is a reason for it. I guess I want to make sure that we have a wider reach this time. It matters to me that our non-Afghan friends and those not familiar with the language also have an opportunity to hear the stories and the facts and have an opportunity to engage and absorb what's happening. Look, I'm not a political analyst. Uh, usually I'm not even interested in politics to be honest. I'm also not an expert on any of the topics that is being discussed on on all the news channels across the world. I have been thinking what my so-called angle would be. Um yes, I have lived under the communist regime in the 1980s and I've experienced the horrors of the civil war in the 90s before the Taliban takeover. Yes, I've seen the horror shows on the streets of Kabul. Dead bodies, screaming children, scared, terrorized, hungry and desperate, public executions, etc. I'm sure um you have heard this a million times before, so I'm not going to bother you with those sentimental sorry stories today. This is not an exercise in playing the victim either. Now, uh during this episode, I'm going to try to give you my take on what has been unfolding in this country for the last few decades. It is important to me that people hear about this godforsaken country from its own people. People who were born there and were raised there, people who speak the language and who have experienced their fair bit of misery growing up there. If you're interested in taking a somewhat deep dive into what just happened, why it happened, could we Yes, all of us, Afghan and non-Afghan alike, have prevented this disaster from happening. And lastly, what is awaiting the citizens of this country, now occupied by medieval men running on software systems incompatible with our modern humanistic values? And what is awaiting the people of the world, who I'm afraid will soon be asking themselves, why on earth they let a bunch of terrorists take over and run an entire country? basically allowing them to create once again a utopia for the terrorist organizations to operate from thanks for listening and i hope you enjoy the show when i was about 8 I'm still living or rather surviving in Kabul, uh, capital of Afghanistan. I remember asking my mother why I no longer was allowed to go to school, a primary school just a few hundred meters away from where we lived. 
This was early 90s, at the height of the civil war, when different Mujahideen fractions were fighting each other and continuously dropping bombs on Kabul. She explained to me that my school was now transformed into a prison and that there were no classes and that all my classmates and my teachers were staying home. Uh, the story doesn't get any better from here. Uh, soon we had to prepare ourselves to leave the country since they were now looking for all people linked to former Afghan government. I guess very similar to what's happening today with Taliban searching houses in Kabul to hunt down former government employees. Anyways, so since my father had worked for the previous government, he was a high-ranking officer uh, working for the Secret Service. Our lives were obviously in danger, and we had to flee the country. Long story short, uh, we failed uh, to do this on time, and they found us just a few days before our departure. Our house sold, our tickets bought, our bags packed, ready to leave the country. I remember the banging on the door, the shots fired, the bullet holes. When we refused to open it, the chaos, fear, screams, crying and terror. I remember the women of the house covering their heads and waiting for the armed men to kick the door open and get inside the house while holding copies of the holy book in their hands. I guess they were hoping these men would show some mercy and spare their lives and the lives of their children. They were there for the men. Uh, they had been tipped off. This was supposed to be our safe house. Soviet AK-47s in their hands, with their bayonets still attached, shouting the names of male family members, asking where they were hiding. It's funny though. <laughs> All the children, including myself, uh, were hidden downstairs in a large room, terrified and frozen, clamped together, my little sister, cousins, all of us, covered behind the curtains. Soon someone came downstairs and took us with her to another room. Later she explained that she saw them stabbing their bayonets in all places just to make sure there was no one hiding in there. So I guess we just got lucky. Anyways, not to bore you too much, everyone survived that day. I later learned that all the men had fled, uh, leaving the woman and the children behind. My own father survived while hiding under the bed. Um, I know, a miracle, right? I guess a lot of us got traumatized and probably scarred for life because of this. But we Afghans have developed a perfect way or rather mechanism to deal with such events. <laughs> we use humor. Just ask an Afghan how they survived the horror of the civil war. Ask them about their journey to reach the shores of Europe. And chances are, you will hear the story being told in a witty, funny way, always with a twist of irony, sarcasm, and satire, as if they are telling a joke, just so everyone can laugh. According to Freud and psychoanalysis, uh, we usually use humor, especially its darker side, to cope with trauma. Anyways, I generally think millions of Afghans are, most likely, suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome. Psychoanalysis is fascinating. But let us for the moment just focus on this story and try to make sense of it. Not sure if that's entirely possible since wars and civil wars specifically are absurd and don't make any sense. Anyways, we survived and left the country and were able to reach Europe after a couple of years of struggle and hardships. 
we still had our limbs attached to us and were basically able to start over and try to live a normal life within the limits of what was possible and available for us as refugees arriving in a foreign country. Not speaking the language, blah, blah, blah. You have heard the stories. Thousands of books and articles have been written about the refugee life, I guess. So I'm not going to repeat my own journey of discovering myself and the world with a new pair of eyes. Although I remember seeing a computer for the first time in my life, I was fascinated and couldn't believe my eyes, what this thing was capable of. So here I am, watching the whole thing unfolding again. This time, thank God, from behind the screen. I've never understood why we survived, to be honest with you. I still ask myself this question from time to time. Uh, people say, we just got lucky. But again, why us? Anyways, I've stopped asking these absurd questions. It's not helpful anyways. So now I'm looking at my screen and keep refreshing my Twitter feed and still can't believe what's happening. I get flashbacks while reading how city after city is collapsing and the dark forces are getting closer to the capital. I still can't believe it. 20 years, $2 trillion, and the most powerful army in the world were no match for these forces of evil. These scary-looking men with their long beards and makeup, usually eyeliners, always with an AK-47 and an RPG on their shoulders, the turbans, although some of them looking quite professional this time, almost like a modern army, I would say, determined, fierce, and with an objective. Not sure how to describe it, but I guess all sorts of emotions were rising up and fading away. Anger, desperation, disbelief, fear, sadness, disgust, disappointment, confusion, nervousness. And then I heard that the president together with a number of his cabinet members had fled the country, uh, presumably with cars and helicopters full of cash. This is when my panic really kicked in, because by then I knew it was over and a humanitarian disaster was unavoidable. This one is from my non-Afghan friends. You see, in Afghanistan, the captain of the ship never goes down uh, with his ship, uh, at least not voluntarily. It always abandons the ship first. Even when there is no direct iceberg in sight, it's a habit, I guess. Uh, our leaders are among the best runners in the world. Sometimes they get caught, castrated and hanged. Sometimes they survive and live luxurious lives abroad. Just open up a history book. Uh, you will soon learn that Afghan leaders are probably among the best adapted catch-me-if-you-can characters the world has ever produced. So after the president gone, I wondered how long before the forces of darkness would enter the city gates of Kabul, a bruised, depressed city that was just recovering for the last 20 years or so. Its people, especially its youth, getting more familiar with humanistic universal values, such as freedom of expression, freedom of thought, freedom of press, and all the rest. And to be honest, from what I could see, they really were liking it. It's funny though, I noticed myself just talking in the past sense, but I guess I have my legitimate reasons for that, and I will come to it in a minute. Anyways, it didn't take that long before um, these men with their AK-47s and RPGs entered the gates of the city and 
without a single shot being fired. At that moment, all I could think of was how easy we gave up all what was, in fact, worth preserving. It was heartbreaking to watch the city where I grew up once again fall into the hands of barbarians, a beautiful historical city with all its gems and millions of terrified souls gifted to them by the superpowers of the world, just like that, and I'm still processing it. What I would like to say is probably a few things about the lies and deceptions that the forces of evil and ignorance are broadcasting to the world with their schmuck faces, always smiling in front of the cameras and beating up people when these cameras are off. This country is already turning into a hell under the rule of these barbarians, and I'm especially worried about the fate of 19 million or so women sentenced to life of darkness under the shadow of these evil men. Does anyone really expect this time they will treat women, minorities, etc. differently? Will the so-called sanctions or threat of sanctions force them to allow girls, especially outside of major cities, to get a proper education? Or allow them to walk down the streets of Kabul with their faces uncovered? Do they think we are fools? Well, they may be able to fool Western media, who were fooled the first time as well. But they will never fool the Afghans, all the 35 million of us who are now basically in hostage situation. They keep telling us, maybe Afghans deserve this. Maybe they supported them. Um, I mean, after all, weren't these barbaric men who um, go under the name of Taliban Afghans? (laughs) It's funny when I hear this. um, It always amazes me how quickly we imagine an entire nation to be willing to give up almost all their freedoms, while we, here in the West, would never, not for a second, think of any of it for ourselves, our kids, families, and dear ones. Then why the double standards? If freedom is good and should be enjoyed and cherished, then it should be for all of humanity. Why be biased? Afghans love their freedoms as much as anyone else on this planet. I can assure you of that. It has been taken away from them by force, time and again. Every single time, they have fought to gain it back. There will be no exceptions this time either. Afghans are already rising up, especially in the north, but I will get back to that in a minute. Here is what I fear the most. Due to the chaotic and humiliating withdrawal of the US troops, Afghanistan will soon, once again, be used by terrorists to plot their next attacks. Spoiler alert, uh, this has happened before, which had prompted the Americans to invade Afghanistan in the first place. Afghanistan will soon become a black hole for the terrorists of the world. It will attract every single one of them. A rise in jihadi activity, not only in the Middle East, but also across the world. It is coming, and it will be on all of us. The world failed collectively, to avoid the worst-case scenario. In fact, we made it possible. Sunday, August 15th, was a dark moment for the world and for me personally. What we witnessed there wasn't only a takeover by the Taliban. It is most probably also a watershed moment for the decline of Western civilization itself. Day in, day out, we hear in the West why we shouldn't be proud of our values and institutions that all values are relative. Well, 
tell that to the people who were trying to get into these Western countries while clinging to a moving U.S. Air Force jet. We're being told our Western culture and heritage is rotten and racist to the core, and that we all should be ashamed, that we should never, ever try to promote the type of rights we enjoy in the West and other countries. But this is absolutely insane. Lives of millions of people depend on these values being respected. Just imagine the women inside Afghanistan right now, frightened by what's coming for them. The autocratic or rather theocratic rule that will take away rights that these brave women worked so hard to achieve for the last 20 years. They trusted the West. They too wanted to enjoy a normal life where they can study, work and participate as full members of their society. We gave it all away so quickly. Thousands of soldiers from across the Western world, the true heroes who fought side by side with their Afghan counterparts, who believed in the mission, who thought they were defending and promoting Western values worth defending. All of that given away so easily. I guess it's also very hard to swallow for the families of these brave soldiers and thousands of Afghans who relied on them. What happened on August 15, 2021 is a tragedy and a dishonor towards the living and the dead. I have read about D-Day and I wonder what has happened and why the West is declining in such a fast pace. Why has Western self-confidence morphed into nihilism? Since when has the West become all talk and no action beyond retreat? Can't we even save the lives of those who work to defend Western values? All the women's rights activists, translators, all of them currently in danger and forced to hide while the scary-looking bearded man with AK-47s go door-to-door looking for them? What kind of ally would do this? How can we ever explain to future generations what happened here? How we gave away an entire country to terrorists while abandoning all our allies? So this is what um, keeps me awake at night. What will happen to the women of Afghanistan? Taliban have promised that women will have rights within the framework of Sharia. Basically, meaning that women will have rights given to them by Islam. To the Western ears, this all may sound fancy, but this is what Sharia basically comes to. Women inherit half the property of that of men. Women's testimony in the court is not equal of that of man's testimony. No unilateral right to divorce. A male guardian is essential for a woman. And not to forget, a man can have up to four wives, while a woman can only have one husband. And then let's not forget the compulsory ugly bag, also known as the burqa, which basically transforms any woman into a ghost, taking away her identity. For clarity, burqa is not a symbol of diversity and liberation. Sharia also means forced marriages with men who use them basically as chattels, something that is already happening across the country, enslaving them, punishing them, humiliating them. Remember Bibi Aisha, whose ears and nose were cut off by the Taliban? She was on the cover page of Times Magazine at the time, This is the real face of the Taliban. 
not these smiling faces in front of the Western cameras. There's no such thing as modernized Taliban. Taliban 2.0 has been trained in dealing with the media. They now have a powerful PR machine. They have learned how to deal with, especially with the Western media, I would say. Easy to be fooled. This so-called Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan will be governed, without any doubt, by the same or probably harsher Sharia law as the Taliban of the 1990s. This will be soon revealed to the world. For those of us who read history, we know how soft the Ayatollahs spoke when they took over Iran. That same thing is now happening in Afghanistan. A totalitarian ideology, an Islamist one, one that still has links to terrorist groups, has taken over an entire country and is now in position of a modern army with sophisticated hardware. I wonder how this is ever going to end up well for the world. The West defeated two evil ideologies before, remind you, fascism and communism. Shouldn't we at least try to defeat this other evil, namely Islamic Jihadism, which goes under the name of Taliban? As I am recording this episode, um, women's faces are being removed from billboards throughout Kabul. Women have been told not to return to their jobs, especially those working in the media. Doors are knocked and people are taken away and executed. People are beaten up on the streets and even killed. So, how long before we see these atrocities multiply a thousandfold when all Western media and Western cameras go offline? How long before we see lifeless bodies hanging from cranes across the country? Gays being hanged, women beaten up on streets, children behind bars because of immoral conduct, and minorities, especially Hazaras, massacred. This is just the beginning. I have wept. In fact, I have wept a lot while seeing all of this unfold once again in my own lifetime. Something I thought I would never witness again, to be honest with you. I have had a sense of impotence and powerlessness watching all those videos of desperate people trying to leave the country. People being shot at at the airport. Toddlers being thrown over the barbed wire so they can hopefully be brought to safety and enjoy a decent life. And meanwhile, we, here in the West, watch all of this in horror and wonder how we got here. We have to do better. In fact, we can do better than this. The West can still be the beacon of hope in the world. I have read enough history to know that, that that's possible. We just have to imagine it once again, I guess. People around the world uh, need us and still rely on us, I think. Western decay can absolutely be avoided. I think it's a choice. We have to stand with all our allies, especially with those who are willing to give their lives to defend the very core of what makes us human, namely our humanity, our freedoms. We cannot be just bystanders. We have done that before. We know where that leads to. I believe we all agreed not to repeat those mistakes again. This so-called Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan with its white flag is absolutely alien to me and it will never, ever represent me or my vision for the country. It is the black, red and green that I will recognize as the flag 
until I breathe my last. The place where I was born, the country which I left when I was a kid, the country which, in fact, never left me, I guess, despite its shortcomings, and I know it's quite an understatement, it still remains my country of birth, and I will do anything in my power to accelerate the downfall of this latest regime that has occupied it and has enslaved its people. The Taliban are just another chapter in the history of this country. This is not the final destination. There is still hope, once again, from the beautiful valleys of the north. Freedom is calling, a place never conquered by force. The last bastion against barbarity. I will soon talk about this hope in the upcoming episodes, hopefully. Anyways, dear listener, I will uh, get back to you with a new episode probably after a few weeks. Not sure exactly when that's going to be. I need to get on myself and contemplate and meditate on what has happened. I need time to think and plan how to proceed. And I appreciate your understanding. Also, if you're inside of Afghanistan and you would like your voice to be heard, uncensored, or if you have a message to be shared with the world, know that you can get in touch with me and I will do my best to accommodate as much as possible. Till then, God bless and long live free Afghanistan.